Welcome to the Conscious Educator Playground, where we collaborate with trusted educators from around the world to ignite and empower a passionate community committed to revolutionizing education from the inside out. Join me as we create our lives and our cultures on purpose. This is the Conscious Educator Playground. Let's play. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Conscious Educator Playground podcast. And I am super excited today to welcome a dear friend and educator uh, who I've known for a few years now, uh, Miss Susie Serna. And Susie, I want to welcome you and thank you so much for being on the Trusted Educator series of my podcast. And if you could tell everyone just a little snippet about you, what your role is now and how long you've been in education. Awesome. Um, thanks for having me, Sandy. Um, such a pleasure. Um, I am currently an assistant principal in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I do work for CCSD. And um, my whole entire career has actually been with CCSD. And I'm super proud of that. Um, although I grew up in Southern California, and my education, my schooling was all in SoCal. Um, I immediately moved here once I graduated. And I, be, I was a substitute teacher. And I just slowly progressed. I became a teacher and a dean, and now I'm an assistant principal, and now I'm looking to move into the principalship. So it's been 19 years, 19 years here in Las Vegas. And um, yeah, still not used to the heat, but you know. <laughs> I don't know that we ever quote unquote get I, used to it. <laughs> I don't know that I'm ever going to get used to this heat. It's 109 today. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, it's a doozy for sure. I think what, um, one of the things that I love about someone that is in a role like yours at the assistant principal level, and especially having been in education for 19 years, is you've seen so much, right? And yes. you've seen education evolve, you've seen things work, you've seen things not work. And there's a lot that we can talk about in education of what's not working, right? And and we'll we'll talk a little bit about challenges, but really the the purpose of the trusted educator um, series in the the podcast is that this is an opportunity to, to play and focus on what is working. Because when we focus on what is working, then we actually get more of that. And you, you've been around my world long enough to know that I, I preach that, I practice it, and it is kind of a, a broken record um, of my voice is that, you know, what we focus on expands. And so really shining a light on educators like yourself who are trusted within the community, who actually are doing amazing work. And if we can amplify that and shine a light on the, one of the things that I believe is working really well in education are the humans in the system who have this deep rooted, can't not do this work. And that's really what, um, what I wanted to chat with you about today. And so let's, let's start off with you sharing um, about the, the time when you knew that you were meant to be an educator. And I don't know if that was before you became one or in the middle of your career, or maybe that you're, you still question it some days. I'm not sure. But tell us about that time. I think a lot of educators are questioning it that right now, but I always knew, I knew I come from a family of educators. And so I always knew that I wanted to be one. I, mean, I remember being a first grader and when they asked, you know, what are you going to be? I, I knew I was going to be a teacher. Um, I just, I just always had a passion for children and school. And um, I, I just knew that that was the direction. I, at first I thought I was going to be a kindergarten teacher and cause you know, I love small children, but oh my goodness. Then I got to high school and realized, you know, I really want to be a high school teacher. Like that's kind of where 
that's really where I want to be. I really want to help guide those minds as they're stepping out into the real world. And um, when I moved to Las Vegas, my first um, long-term sub position was in a middle school and and then I just stayed. I just stayed in middle school. So all of my 19 career, my 19 years have all been in middle school. So, and um, I wouldn't change it. I love it. it. It's such, I, a lot of people say this, that anyone who works in middle school is a saint. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it takes a special person. Let me tell you, it does. Um, it's just, you know, kids are kids change and they're, they're evolving and they're going through hormonal changes and they're going through just so much as a, as a middle schooler. And I remember growing up and I hated middle school. I hate, that was like the worst time for me. Like I hated it just, you know, becoming, you know, that, that transition where you're not quite a girl or like a little kid anymore, but you're kind of into being a teen and, oh gosh, going through puberty. And it was just so awkward and I hated (laughs) middle school. So the fact that I became a middle school educator, I'm like, you know what, maybe this is just where I need to be, you know, help help those kids out because I remember like, oh, I hated it. But yeah. And you have that, that level of empathy to go. I I remember that transitional part of life. And, you know, I, I think that that's so key in, in any human relationships, right? And no matter what roles you're in, is that that deep empathy of I see you and I yes. hear you and I acknowledge you for the unique, amazing human that you are. And I think that that's a gift for sure. I think I, you know, reading and just seeing quotes now, and I really do just try to be the, try to be the person I needed when I was a kid. Does that make sense? So yeah, absolutely. trying to be that person for kids at that age now. Like I, I know what I needed and I didn't have it. So now I kind of want to be that for, for the kids at this level. That's huge. And and I'm sure so, so impactful um, for them. And, and that kind of leads me into my next question, which is why are you so passionate about your leadership at this point? You know, we're talking about um, you with, with students, but that being in an assistant principal role, you are leading the school with your fellow administrators. And so tell us about your, your passion for this role, because it is very different than a classroom teacher. It is, absolutely. And I think I left the classroom predominantly because I wanted to make that change at a greater level. I feel like when I was in the classroom, I was able to connect and cope, you know, and, and help coach my the teachers that were my in my PLC grade level. And so um you know, I remember distinctly turning down a scripted program and telling my then boss, no, we're, we're not doing a scripted program. We're not going to jump on board. I think that um, the teachers here on our campus, we have that we have that expertise. We don't need a scripted program. And at a time when the neighboring schools were all jumping on it, I was like adamant no, we're not. We're going to use our own expertise. We're all experts. We're all um, passionate about our our subject. And my boss looked at me at the time and she said, you know, we're going against the grain here. And I said, if I don't show you results in the year, I said, we'll we'll go with the scripted program, but I'm guaranteeing you're going to see results. And we did. And that was just in you know, when I was teaching in the classroom and we were so excited at the end of the year that we saw the great gains. And then I thought if I could do this with just my PLC grade level, you know, here at my one school, then I know I can make a difference and I can make change. And especially um, for those that are underserved. And that's when I decided I need to put my administrative degree to use and I need to start advocating for those that are underserved. 
Yeah, that that's so incredible. And I, I get chills hearing you talk about that it, because that is the key to the success of education and what education means holistically for our whole lives is really as educators trusting that intuitive knowing, right? When it is a deep truth within you where you're like, I can't not, right? Like, like this must be done. And it's, it's challenging, right? It's, it's really hard to actually take that leap of faith and stand in your position of strength and say, I believe so wholeheartedly in this, that this is a full yes. And when, when you have, when you're surrounded and supported by colleagues and supervisors, bosses, mentors that support you and uplift you and allow you to really flex that, that muscle and, and those neural pathways, how empowering is that? Right. Right. And, and so, there, go ahead. Oh, sorry. And I, after that experience, I was like, okay, like I, I need to take this and move on. Like I need, I need to, I need to grow this. And so I think that's kind of what led me into that administrative path. And it's taken a while. It wasn't something that happened overnight. Um, especially when you're becoming a new administrator, you're learning a whole new task and you're, you know, you're learning a whole new side of education. Um, you know, sometimes that does kind of get put a little bit on the back burner when you're just learning to, you know, really supervise and become a manager is really what it becomes. And so I think that part sometimes gets a little lost because you get pulled in so many different directions. And it's like, for me, it's like, I always want to be able to come back to curriculum. Okay. And that's, that's, what's important. It's, it's kids and what we do. I mean, all of the outside factors can't change that. You can't change, you know, the outside world and, you know, what's happening in children's homes, but I can, and I just, I can control what's happening in those four walls for those kids in, in the classroom and with teachers. I, I can, that's one thing we can control is instruction. So that's where it's like, ah, that's my baby is, is, is instruction. I love that. And speaking of your learning journey, right? Because we, we talk so much about the students and, you know, their learning journey and their experience and all of those things. And um, I often say, yes, please continue to teach the children and keep them safe. And where, where my, my passion comes into this world of education is what's best for the educators within our, our classrooms, within our, our buildings, within our schools, our organizations that support education. And that's not an easy journey for educators to be on their own growth and learning journey and be, you know, it's part of your own evolution. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's not an easy ride sometimes. It's and, not. And pandemics certainly threw a lot of educators and administrators for a loop. And, you know, it made us question, made us really question ourselves and what we were doing. And, um, but I think it was also a really great eye opener and it was a really great game changer. It was a time when we can really just, Hey, like we know what wasn't working in the past. Now we're in, you know, this whole new virtual learning setting and, you know, we can put our tech to use. And so, but then coming back to hybrid and then, you know, coming back to full on, you know, a hundred percent brick and mortar building, you know, that had some struggles too. I mean, it, it was definitely a challenging year last year. You know, we thought, you know, oh, you know, we're going to get right back to normal. We're going to just, you know, get right back into it. And that did not happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It was a, you know, you know, just break, put the brakes on because that was just not 
not the case, but I think that um, it made us all better for it. I think we understood, all right, we, we need to take a step back. We need to look at what, um, what, what are kids bringing to the table? Um, you know, what, uh, aside from the academics and the skills, but it became more of a social emotional, like, okay, we, we really need to tap into helping our kids be ready for learning before they can learn. So it really took everybody kind of back and, we, I think, as educators needed to really step back and, and become more empathetic and, and realize that our kids have lives at home and they're oftentimes very different from ours. And if anything was exposed during the pandemic, it was that. Was there a time in your career um, when you questioned everything? Absolutely. Those pandemic years. <laughs> yeah. Pandemic years really, really, you know, for a lot of us, it was, oh my gosh, can I really do this? Can we really imagine a world where if we don't come back to a brick and mortar building, can I be, you know, a successful administrator and make change, um, you know, via, you know, a computer screen? Like how, how effective can I be? And um, we really all questioned. I think we all had that moment where we're like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, I, I miss, you know, those, those connections with kids and, you know, a lot of times with the cameras being off, you know, you just, it was really hard to connect and, and, you know, see body language and see facial expressions. And um, I was just very thankful that, you know, the state allowed us to have waivers for those state exams, because I just felt like it wasn't going to be a true authentic assessment of what our kids know. So I think um, a lot, I think a lot of us questioned ourselves and whether we could make it out, but we did, but we did. And I can say that this year is going so much better than, than last year. Like everyone's like, you can tell that the tone and the mood and the, the climate is, is just a sense of normalcy is, is returning. And I think we, we, we had that, uh, that challenge last year and kind of taking back our school and like, Hey, like, that's not what we do. Like, we don't, we don't do those things like retraining kids. And um, so I, I think the effort that we put in last year has paid off because this year has been such a smoother start. So, yeah. And when you talk about that effort, what were some of those foundational components to your culture that really made a difference? I mean, basics, I mean, absolute fundamental basics, um, um, discipline, also just making sure that, um, kids and parents understood what our expectations were, um, really just, really just stressing what our expect, what our behavioral expectations were and modeling that and having consequences that fit, you know, um, not just punitive consequences, just for, you know, punitive purposes, but really just looking at um, things restoratively. I know restorative justice is, is a huge piece of progressive discipline, but it was also, um, you know, everything is it's kind of a, it's almost like on a case by case scenario, everything is just so it's not black and white, there's tons of gray in between. And, and it was really that really getting to know each of our students and their families and really honing um, whatever uh, skills um, and supports that those students needed, uh, making sure that we um, that we set them up with such. So I know the district came out with a lot of um, social emotional supports for the counselors to, to help mm -hmm. our families. And so it's really following up and making sure that our kids got those basic needs met, whether it was food um, or um, 
outside services for therapy, um, or we had a school safe professional on campus that was really open and she was really great. We won't have her this year, but um, she was a great resource for us that our kids can just kind of go and just if they needed to decompress or if they just needed a minute or, um, you know, we have a lot, a lot more kids now that are dealing with anxiety and um, um, just stress and don't necessarily know how to how to cope with it. So just teaching kids coping skills. And um, that was kind of our, our, our basics getting down to, mm. okay, making sure that our kids are fundamentally okay. And then we can get into the learning. What were those supports like for um, the adults on campus as well? Um, I think for us, it was a lot of getting to just touching, touching base with our own individual teachers that, that we support and just knowing that, Hey, it's okay. Like it's okay. If you're not caught up, you know, um, I remember, especially being a new teacher, just feeling like you're just really overwhelmed and drowning. And are you ever going to catch up? The answer is no, <laughs> you're, you're right. probably never going to catch up and it's okay. So if you know that up front, you know, you, you definitely need to know your content and you definitely need to be prepared for your kids on a daily basis. But, you know, other than that, um, all the extras and, and don't compare yourself to somebody who's in their 10th year of teaching, you know, just, you know, be yourself, have fun with the kids, establish those relationships with kids. Cause if you're not doing that and you're at least not having fun in your own classroom, it just takes away from, you know, that, that passion that you, that you wanted when you're first in the classroom. So I think for our teachers, it was, Hey, just go easy on yourself. I know you want to fix it all because by nature we're fixers. Um, but I think with, with them, it was, Hey, just one day at a time, it's okay. Like, we're not going to fix all the problems in one day, but let's just take it one step at a time. And then my, my doors open, you know, text me, call me. If you need a break, I'll come in and cover your class, just whatever you need. Um, I can, I can support you instructionally. I mean, that's what I'm here for, but I'm also here as, as don't just see me as your supervisor. I'm also here to make sure that you're okay. So I think once they understood that, that we are here and that it's not a got, yeah, you know, it's not a gotcha. I'm not coming in for an observation to, you know, to, to ding you. Like I'm here to help you. My purpose is to help you grow. And, and if I'm going to come in with that kind of mentality, then I'm going to scare teachers away. So, and that's not what we need right now with our national shortage. So I think the more they can feel supportive and feel like they're in a supportive culture and environment, then we're reading our teachers needs. So I don't know that I can say that we had, you know, specific structures, but I think it was just on a human level, getting to know your mm -hmm. teachers on just that human level. And Hey, you know, how was your weekend or how's your dog? Or, you know, just, you know, sharing things about daily life. It's not just, I'm not just here as a, you know, instructional leader, but I'm here because I, I do care about you and I want you to be okay. Absolutely. And the work that, that we've been able to do together over the years. And, you know, one of the, um, the things that, I know you guys were most proud of was in your, your vision statement of being positive and purpose-driven and um, really like living and embodying that and, and, you know, getting to a place where um, that statement has evolved into together with purpose. Mm -hmm. And so really living that on a daily basis and making it a non-negotiable, this is who we are and this is how we do things here and um, aligning it to the core values that um, you have established and, uh, it's it's just so powerful when you see it in action and you have so much anecdotal data um, to prove like why it matters to really set those foundational culture pieces that you're you're describing 
um, that everyone gets to feel safe and seen and heard and valued. And when you do that, no matter what someone's role is within a school community, it, it really, like you said, it creates that safe environment where you get to show up as the unique, amazing human that you are, and you get to be celebrated for it. You know, even if you, you know, are late on this or on that, it's like, okay, how can I support you versus, you know, a, a write-up, um, right. whether that's for an adult or a child. And we're all human and life happens. And so right. I really uh, admire that about you and your fellow administrators in, in how you operate that way as a human first culture, um, which is super powerful. And so I want to, I want to hear about um, a, a connection that you had either with a student or a teacher that either surprised you or had a profound impact on you as an educator. I did. Um, and, you know, I had one recently. Um, I, um, you know, this young lady, particular young lady, um, she was very misunderstood and um, she was an excellent writer, but I think her writing, um, people were turned off by, or teachers tended to be turned off, or they sometimes were like, oh my gosh, should I be alerted? Like, and I'm like, you know, maybe she's just being creative. Like, it's okay. Like, it's okay that she, you know, um, wants to talk about these things that are maybe sometimes taboo or um, just maybe not maybe would bring a red flag. And so um, I kind of took an interest in that. And so um, I, I read her writing and I said, you know what? I said, I get it. You know, rather than being written up because, you know, the writing is, you know, X, Y, or Z. I'm like, let's just take a look and appreciate the writing for what it actually is, provided that you're not, you know, in a, in a, in a bad mental state or, you know, whatnot. So um, I kind of approached it that way and we kind of bonded over that. And so um I was on the verge of not going to an interview and I was, you know, at, um, duty and I was, you know, just wasn't feeling it. I'm like, you know what, maybe this is just not meant to be. I, um, you know, just not feeling like I had a whole lot to contribute. And so I started talking with her and she's like, miss, she's like, of all people, really? She's like you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I just, I'm not feeling it. And she's like, you have to go because you would tell me the same thing. Like you have to go, you would tell me you have to go to that. Like you have to show up and be yourself and be a hundred percent. And so I looked at this young lady who was 12 years old, who was giving me a pep talk now as I'm <laughs> sitting there, like not wanting to go on this interview. And she's like, you have to go. Like you have to, she's like, get your shoes on. And, and you know, <laughs> she have to go. And I was like, okay, I, I, I have to go. So I can't let her down. So she's like, and you call me and you let me know how that interview went. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so sure enough, I checked my email the next morning and she said, I know you rocked that interview. I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad you went. I don't know if you went, but I'm sure you went. And so like, she even followed up and I was just so like, like, wow. Like, you know, we don't often think that they're looking or they pay attention or they notice us as humans, but she definitely did. And I went to that interview. I did well. And because of that, I got into the principal pool. So, um, yeah. And so I had to make sure that I went back the next day and I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. Thank you. Like, thank you. You did that because I was seriously not going to go. And she's like, you have to miss. And so I did. And so, She's no longer at my school, but that was definitely a moment that I, I will never forget. And I will always remember that child. Yeah. Oh, that's so inspiring. And there's, there's hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of stories like that, where 
when we have that authentic human connection, how much we can inspire and influence each other. Absolutely. And it's, it's just so powerful. Um, what is your, your wish for the future of education? Oh boy. Um, it's, there's so much. Yeah, I don't know that there's just one, but gosh, I wish we could get back to being inspirational. I wish that we could get back to being inspirational teachers. And I know that there are definitely inspirational teachers out there. I know that I've just, you know, even, you know, us, we sometimes like how I was feeling with that student, just kind of doubting myself. And I know that we get into those funks. And so I feel like um, if we could kind of find our, there's a great book, I'm going to go off on a tangent, um, The Wild Card. And that's, um, it's written by um, Hope and Wade King. And part of that is find your wow factor. You know, not everyone is going to be, you know, a Ron Clark or whatnot, but that, find your own Find your own style, find your own, you know, what that passion, that joy, what brings you that and bring that to your classroom, make that who you show up as every day so that we bring that joy back to learning that I feel sometimes gets lost. Yeah, for sure. It's so, it, and it sounds so simple, right? You're right. And yet it does get lost in, along our, our learning journey, yeah. right? And lost in our daily routine and our daily, just making sure we're crossing, you know, or checking off the boxes to make sure that we're doing things, you know, for administrative purposes or whatnot. But I really wish we could just get back to that love of learning and instilling that love of learning, making learning joyful again and inspiring kids to want to become teachers because we're going to need teachers um, in the future. And so, um, you know, the rhetoric sometimes, you know, it, of course, the pendulum shifts back and forth. And so um, we need teachers and we need kids that are going to want to grow up to be teachers. And I don't know that we have a lot of that right now. So I wish that we could, I wish we could go back to that, to where, you know, I wanted to be a teacher when I was a little kid growing up. I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to be a teacher and have my own classroom. And I'm going to teach my kids this and that. And I don't know. I don't think that's the current rhetoric. So I think if we could inspire a new generation to be teachers and to be and show up and be those kids that we needed or to be those adults that we needed, then. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's my wish, I think. And so if you could, if you could share, because we were talking about like, we're all on this learning journey. If you could share with other students, um, other educators, we're all lifelong learners. Um, and I want you to share something that's been important an impactful lesson along your learning journey? Like what's, what's one lesson that you would want to share with others that was impactful to you? I'm gonna throw this one to um, something that was learned with this administrative team and that's um, the assumption of generosity and assuming generously. I think that has been a game changer for me, um, really stepping back and, um, reviewing conversations or even in real life, just not being so quick to, to have an answer, you know, to just answer and listen or um, to have that reply. But it's more like, let me understand where you're coming from. What's your true intention behind this? 
Um, and then can we work on this together to find a solution rather than just it's a no or it's a yes or, you know, things are this way because they have to be, you know, I, I don't, um, that has been for me um, really eye-opening and just, hey, you know, not, don't be so quick to be defensive. Like not, they're not, you know, not everyone is out to, you know, to crush you or to be against you rather just, Hey, take some time to learn other people's point of view. Where are they coming from? What are they, what's their end game? Um, are we in alignment? Are our visions in alignment? How do we, how do we get there together? Because ultimately, oh, I'm sorry. Um, you know, that's what we're looking for common ground for, for one purpose. And that's the purpose of student achievement. So we, we do. We have to generously assume oftentimes that we're not coming from a negative place, but we're coming from a positive place. And it takes practice, right? It does. We've had, we've had those conversations over the years, um, you know, as even, even amongst each other um, as administrators and when you're leading a building and, and you're all driven leaders and you all have your unique brain wired strengths and really getting your team in flow and having those trust building conversations, because that's the cornerstone of that, um, of the generosity of assumption is that it builds and grows trust. Because if I can assume generously um, that your intentions are, are good and in the right place and that you're not evil, uh, then, yes. <laughs> yes. then we can actually have a productive conscious conversation. And, right. and I know that we've, we've been able to have some really powerful, I think one of the one of the most um, fun activities that I remember doing with your team was um, the trust speed dating and <laughs> being able to just have fun and be playful with it and go, okay, how can we build and grow trust with each other in, in two minutes? And then, okay, done, switch and done, switch. And then just recognizing how quickly we can build and grow trust because we know how quickly it can be eroded away at, but really focusing on how quickly we can build it um, is, is super powerful. I love that you brought that story up. And, um, with that, we're all still working on things. So what's something that you're still working on and that's evolving in your world? In my education world? <laughs> it could be anything. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Open book. We're, we're whole humans. We do. <laughs> Um, well, let's not go in the other realm. So um, <laughs> my, in my education realm, um, you know, I think we're really just looking to, um, you know, we got our, we got our uh, data back. And so it's not quite what we, what we want it to be. And so I think now that we are all on a better uh, mindset, um, we did show some areas of growth. And so I think now it's all right, pedal to the metal, like there's no more, um, no more excuses, you know, there's no more, um, you know, we're going to have a break on, you know, for this testing or this testing score doesn't matter. And it's like, you know what, no, like it's time to own it and move forward. Like if we don't own that, we have areas of growth um, and view them as an opportunity to, to grow, then um, we don't have time to point fingers and do the blame game. That's not going to get us anywhere. It's just, Hey, this is where we are. Um, we know what standards are. We know where they need to go. So let's do it. What's the, you know, uh, I don't want to say the fastest way between point A and point B, but, um, you know, we, we have our standards. We know what the curriculum is. It's like, let's, let's get to it. You know, we know how to deal now with social and emotional um, deficiencies for kids, and we know how to set them up with the proper supports. So great. That's, you know, 
great. Like moving on, like we know how to do that. So now let's, you know, again, let's get back to what we can control. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, more growth. More growth is what I'm really yeah. looking forward to. So putting forth those systems and structures to see, to see continued growth. And I love hearing you, you talk about like turning challenges into opportunities right. and having that be something that is, is just innate in living your values, right? And, and right. really practicing um, what you preach and being able to live in alignment with that, that, like you said earlier, is not, not always easy when you get stuck in the day-to-day um, nuances of, of things happening. And you're in a middle school for Pete's sake, like, like you never know what you're going to get on any given day. You don't, it's, yeah. it's always an adventure, right? And so to, to have that mindset shift of, any challenge that's in front of you, it's like, all right, what's the opportunity here? Is it a learning opportunity? Is it an opportunity for change? Is it an opportunity to, you know, maybe lean in a little bit more to the human empathetic side, whatever it is. Uh, I think that that's, that's really powerful as well. Um, so a couple more questions as we kind of wrap up our time together, but what does success look and feel like to you as an educator? What does success look and feel like to you? Describe. So to me, success looks like laughter, joy. When you walk into a classroom and you know that kids, kids are getting it, they are enjoying what they're learning, they're, they're actively using the vocabulary and they're having you know, true academic discourse and it's inspiring them to think and to come up you know, with um, just bigger ideas based on what they're already talking about, just something that you know, they, they often say that the biggest, um, what is like a telltale sign of an office culture is the amount of laughter you hear. So um, that kind of tells you what the culture is like in a, in a building. And so I think, um, I don't mean shenanigan laughters. I, I mean like that, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, like I do. If you walk in and you can just tell, oh my gosh, like they're on it. There's that synergy. Kids are, kids are getting it and they're happy about it. To me, that's what if I can walk into my classrooms and I can leave, then to me, that's a successful, that's a successful day. Um, I know to others, it might be, I want to hang on, you know, or a five-star, you know, banner or whatnot, but um, you know, there, that's a whole nother issue as well. But um, I, I think if the kids are happy and healthy and they're learning, I think that's success. Mm. I love that. It's one of the reasons why you and I connect so much is I think at the core of who we are, our values are aligned as humans. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about that and, and I just, I want to honor you not only as an educator, but as a friend and a fellow human on this journey to revolutionize education from the inside out, because that's what we get to do each and every day together. And it's in these micro moments where it's happening that's that's where the the juicy bits yeah. are right that that's where it is actually happening yes. you know if we zoom out to the big macro scale we're not going to see it but the more that we really lean into this values aligned human first you know yes. safe culture for our students and our adults to be in these buildings together then learning is going to happen and yes. we're going to build and grow trust with one another and when you have that trust, it's, it's the foundation of, of everything. And, you and get, it's just so sad yeah, that that's not measured. 
you know, that's not going to be measured in a state test, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's not going to be measured. Um, and so you hope that that, that that passion and that skill transfers, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But, it's that rip, ripple of impact and, yeah. and we know it in our bones. It's just going to take the, the, the data side a minute to catch up, um, yeah. to prove what we, what we know in our bones. Yes. And so I look forward to that. I yeah. think we're going to get there. I mean, I think we, we have some work to do. Um, I'm not naive about that, uh, but I think we're going to get there. And I think that a lot of our teachers are doing what needs to be done to get there. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. I have one more fun question for you. <laughs> what was your favorite childhood toy game or adventure? Oh my gosh. Hands down was my rainbow bright. I loved my rainbow bright. Doll. <laughs> I love um, it. Oh my gosh. She was my favorite. Um, being the youngest of four, um, I got a lot of hand-me-down toys and hand-me-down clothes, but this one was my own and it was brand new out of a box. So, oh man, I loved her. I combed her hair and I dressed her and she was just my baby. I love it. Oh my gosh. But one day my sister and I got into a fight and I had her by the body and she had her by the hair and we ripped her (laughs) apart. And so her head came off her head body. And so I tried my best to like put little rubber bands around her neck to get her to come back. It just, it didn't work. She was ruined. But um, oh. that is my favorite. That's my favorite childhood story too. So, <laughs> I don't well, know. hopefully, hopefully one of these days you can find another rainbow bright. Um, I have and one now. Sister- you have one now. I okay, I have one now. She's a smaller version, and um, I don't play as roughly with her. So, <laughs> <laughs> and your sister plays nice as well. <laughs> well, now it's with my daughter. So now we take care of rainbow bright. Got it. So yeah. we don't pull hair. <laughs> So she knows. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. You know, it's it's really about bringing that play and that joy back into our daily lives. And even as adults, we crave play. And so I hope everyone walks away with a nugget of wisdom or several from our amazing time together, Susie. It's just so wonderful to connect with you and have this time Oh, and to yeah. play on the playground. And Absolutely. You know, it's called the Conscious Educator um, Playground for a reason, is because we get to play and we get to bring that true authentic joy back into the world of education. And you're doing it every day. And I honor you as a human. Thank you so much for being oh, here. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak with you. I hope I didn't ruin too much. or I hope I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you were fantastic. And I thank you so much for all of it. Oh, thank you. Thanks for joining the Conscious Educator Playground. Subscribe to this podcast and join our Conscious Educator Playground Facebook group. You can find me at Sandra Marie Herrera across all socials. I look forward to seeing you on the playground again soon. Cheers to another week living your life on purpose.